Well, I hope y'all were blessed this morning through the music. I, I absolutely love all those. I love everything that they do, but I enjoyed all those songs and especially enjoy that last song. But today we are going to be in Romans chapter 8. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and uh, turn there with me. Romans chapter 8. While you're turning there, there was a man named Russell Herman. When he died in 1994, he left behind an incredible inheritance. He left behind the city of East St. Louis $2 billion. He left to the uh, National Forestry Service another $2 billion. And then what I thought was tremendously generous of him is he left behind $6 trillion to the national government to help them pay down the debt. Isn't that generous? I mean, I looked at that and I thought, this guy is phenomenal. Now, here's the only problem with that is... The only thing that he owned was a 1983 Oldsmobile. Now, uh, the last time I checked, 1983 Oldsmobiles did not, you know, did not carry a whole lot of value. Now, I think that sometimes, whenever we think about some of the some of the things that we have, some of the things that we inherit, especially in a relationship with Jesus, is we think, man, that sounds like it's a little bit too good to be true. Any of you ever feel that way? I mean, let me ask you this question. When you think about a relationship with Jesus and some of the things that he promises to give those who follow him, what are some of the things that we are promised as followers of Jesus that we receive as an inheritance? What do you get? If you follow Jesus, what happens? Eternal life. That's a pretty big one, right? That's a good one. Uh, another one, forgiveness. Now, how good are you at giving forgiveness to other people? Now, the Bible says whenever you entrust your life to Jesus and you ask him to forgive you of your sins, the Bible says that God gives it. Now, here's just being a little bit on the skeptical side of things. This is sort of where I come down. I see some of these incredible promises that we are offered, and I think of that guy who lived in East St. Louis who says, I'm leaving $6 trillion to the national government to help pay off the debt. And I look at that and I think, that sounds just a little bit too good to be true. But guys, let me tell you something. There is a big difference between that man named Russell Herman and the promises that come in Scripture. And the big difference is Russell Herman didn't have the bank account to pay off the debt, but let me tell you who does. It is the God of Scripture. And so today we are talking about soundtrack. What does your life sound like? Because every believer makes some kind of music with their lives. Whether you agree with me or not, I want you to know this. Your life is saying something right now to the people around you. And one of the things that your life as a believer ought to be saying to the world around you is that the Spirit of God is inside of you. And if He is living within you, then the question is, what does that mean? You know, what kind of music does the Spirit of God play in my life? Well, that's why we're going to be looking in Romans chapter 8 today, in verse number 1 in a few moments. But in our scripture, we're going to see the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christian church in Rome. And he said, these are some of the things that the Spirit of God 
works into your life. These are some of the things that the Spirit of God offers you whenever you follow Him. Now, since we are in the book of Romans, who do you think this letter was written to? Well, it was written to a bunch of Roman people. And at the time, Rome was the one world power. They were in charge of everything. But even though they had power, the people in this day are just like you and me. They all struggled, and today we still struggle with two major problems. The problems of guilt and the problem of sin. Those are huge debts that we all have in our lives. Now, here's the deal, or here's the question. How in the world are we able to overcome the power of guilt and the power of sin in our lives? Well, the great thing is we're going to see in our text today that we are able to overcome those things because of the Spirit of God working in us. And the Spirit of God makes several offers to you in your life. Now, what does He offer us? Well, He offers us freedom from sin and death. Freedom from sin and death. Now, if you have your Bible, look with me. Let's see, in Romans chapter 8, verse number 1. Now, notice what it says at the very beginning of that verse. Therefore, there is no, what? No condemnation. Now, here's the key part. For who? For those who are in Christ Jesus. It exists for those in Christ Jesus. Because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you, let's say, free. Set you free from the law of sin and of death. What the law could not do, since it was limited by the flesh, it says God did. Now what did God do? It says He condemned sin in the flesh by sending His own Son in the flesh like ours under sin's domain and as a sin offering in order that the law's requirement would be accomplished in those who do not walk according to the flesh, but who walk according to what? According to the Spirit. Now, as you read through the book of Romans, let me tell you something. Romans is thick. There is a lot of stuff in the book of Romans. And so, because it's me, here's what I have to do. When I read the book of Romans, I have to kind of read through it and go through it slowly to pay attention to what it says. Now, there is a basic idea in our world today that man is basically good. You know, if you say, if I strip off all the stuff of people, when you get to the core of man, get, the, get to the core of just you know, every little person, here's, here's what we come away with, or what we say a lot of times. We're good. You know, at, at, the, at the very core of who we are, we're just, we're, people are just naturally good. Now, that sounds good to me. And I like saying stuff like that, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible does not say that we are naturally good. King David wrote in Psalm 51.5, Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Which is just affirmation to me that children are naturally evil. Uh, Paul said in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned. 
and falls short of the glory of God. Now, some people look at that and say, well, that's true for some people, but not me. You know, I'm, a, I'm a good person. I do good things. Now, let, let me tell you, I always enjoy it when I watch some story on you, maybe like 30 for 30, or you see some special story on the news, and you see how people are helping one another. You know, you see the stories with, with the flood and the hurricane that we recently have gone through, and you see stories of goodness, and those things are great stories, and I enjoy those stories. But if we are relying upon those things, thinking that that's going to make us right with God, then we're mistaken. And that's because of Galatians 3, 10 and 11. It says, for all who rely on the works of the law, it says, man, we're under a curse. Because it is written, everyone who does not continue doing everything written in the book of the law is cursed. Now it's clear that no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. Now every one of us has a disease. And that disease is sin. And it is a terminal illness that we all carry with us. That's why verse number 1 is so important to us as Christians because we are given the cure for that disease of sin. And that's why we go back to verse number 1 and it says, There is therefore no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Now that word condemnation, it's basically, it's it's a picture of a person going into a court of law and they are found guilty. And then the the sentence is then carried out. But if you're in Christ Jesus, that doesn't happen to you. You are found innocent. Now, not because of what you have done, but because of what Jesus has done. And that is the offer that the Holy Spirit gives to us. It transforms you. Now, let let me try to give you an example of this. Um, Whenever I am in my car, I like to listen to the radio. And typically, because the older I've gotten, the less I listen to music and the more I listen to talk radio. I like, you know, I listen to talk radio to hear what's going on in politics. I like to listen to Dan Patrick to find out what's going on in sports. And so, I will drive down the road listening to the radio. Now, I don't know if y'all have ever noticed this before, but if you are on hard scrabble road, Have you noticed how, if you happen to be on AM radio, can you hear anything? Have any any of y'all ever noticed that? I'm glad to know that because it's not just my my radio. I mean, it's absolute static, and it drives me crazy. And it's always like the real important part's coming up, then I'll turn on the hard scrabble. I can't hear anything. So I've got a a solution for that. I got on my phone the app iHeartRadio. And uh, on that app, what I will do is I'll just simply put in the radio station I want to listen to so I don't depend on my car radio. I just put it through my Bluetooth because I'm, I'm very technologically savvy. And so I will drive along. And whenever I have it on iHeart, everything comes in with great clarity. Now, our text today says if you want things to come through clearly in your life, then you have to be in Christ, just like if I want to listen to the radio, I have to be in iHeartRadio app. If I'm going to be clear in my relationship with God, I have to be in Christ. So, so what happens? Well, Jesus says if you are in Him, He will then set you free from the law of sin and death. And whenever we follow Jesus and submit ourselves to His leadership, 
then the law no longer has jurisdiction over us. Now, some people think, well, only good people can be in Christ. No, that's, that's not true. Remember, there is no one who is naturally good. You know, people who are followers of Jesus, they're just simply people who recognize that without Jesus, they are in trouble. And so they entrust themselves to Jesus. And what he does when you do that is he covers you over. He declares you innocent because he's paid for your debt of sin on the cross. And what happens is God gives you life. Now, that happens because of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And the Bible tells us Jesus said why the Holy Spirit came. And in John 16, 8, he said when he comes, the Spirit, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, now freedom from sin and death is available to all of us. But before it happens, we have to be in Christ. Now, that is an offer that the Holy Spirit makes to you. What does he offer us? He offers us freedom from sin and death. That is an incredible offer that he gives. But another offer that the Holy Spirit gives to those who will follow Jesus is he will offer you life and peace as well. He doesn't just give you freedom from sin and death. He says, now I'm going to replace that with life and peace. Now I want you to look with me in in verse number 5. It says, for those whose lives are according to the flesh... Think about the things of the flesh, but those whose lives are according to the Spirit about the things of the Spirit. Now, this is an important verse here. It says, for the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. For the mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it doesn't submit itself to God's law, for it's unable to do so. Those whose lives are in the flesh are unable to please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God lives in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the Bible says the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, as I read through those verses, remember, it's thick. I mean, you read through that and you're like, oh, there's a lot of stuff right here. So I'm going to try to simplify it. Uh, you know, for, for you, but really, this is just for me too. So here's what I come away with in those verses. There are two systems that we have in this world. Two different kind of mindsets that you can have in this world. You can have the mindset of the flesh, or you can have the mindset of the spirit. Now, the question is, well, what's the difference between the two? Well, the mindset of the flesh is whenever you just simply look at everything and operate according to to what you want, according to what you desire. It's a very selfish way to live. I mean, it's just a person who is living, saying everything in this life is about me and it's focused on me. Now, that is a mindset that is absorbed with self. Now, that doesn't mean if a person has the mind of the flesh that they don't ever do anything good. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that they're just a person, though, whose total focus is on themselves. And and where that eventually leads a person, according to our text, is it leads them to death. An unsaved person, they are alive physically, but spiritually they are dead. And there's two different outcomes that come with the mind of the spirit 
and the mind of the flesh. So it's important for us to know that there are different outcomes that come with that. Uh, there's an interesting story about a guy named Roger Babson. He was an American historian who lived about 100 years ago, and he had a, he had a meeting with the president of Argentina. And the president of Argentina had a, had a question for him. He said, you're a historian. He said, tell me the difference between North America and South America, why you're so prosperous and we struggle. Babson said, well, I think you've thought about that. He said, you tell me what you think. He said, here's what I think. When the Span- he said, when the Spaniards came to South America, he said, they came in search of gold. He said, whenever your pilgrim fathers came to North America, he said, they came in search of God. And he said, and I believe because of that, there is a big difference between North America and South America. And I thought that was interesting. And I thought that, that's an example to me of the mindset of the flesh and the mindset of the spirit. You see, the mindset that is controlled by the spirit of God is different in this. We listen to, we are open to what God has to say in his word And we say, I, instead of living for me, I'm going to live according to the instructions of God's word. Jesus said in John 10, 27 and 28, he said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. He said, I give them eternal life and they will never perish ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Now, you can look at that and you can begin to think, well, how can I know in my own life if I have the mindset of the spirit or if I have the mindset of the flesh? You know, wh- who am I? You know, wh- what, what, is, what is my mindset? Because it's important for us to know what it is, but I think there's a way to find out. Just ask yourself this question. Am I obedient to what Scripture says? Do I follow after God's word. Have I turned away from my sin and say, Lord, I'm going to rely upon you to rescue me? See, Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, he said, then you're going to keep my commandments. That's the mindset of the Spirit. Obedience leads to life and peace. Now, now remember, Jesus is the author of life, and those who entrust themselves to him can expect blessings in their lives. When you place yourself under Jesus' jurisdiction, you are no longer under the jurisdiction of the law. Instead, you are saying, Lord, you're going to judge me not according to how I live, but according to how Jesus lived. Now, how did Jesus live? Perfectly. He lived a perfect life. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, so if that's true, then how should that affect us? Well, whenever Jesus lived and we trust him, what he does is he puts all of his righteousness into our account. Now, what's the result of that? should give you life and peace. To know God, God is not looking at you Instead, he's looking at the one in whom you have trusted, which is Jesus, who lived the perfect life as the Son of God. Now, does that take pressure off of you? It should. 
So, so what does the Holy Spirit offer us? He offers us freedom from sin and death. He offers us life and peace. And then here's one that you ought to underline and take to the bank. He offers you the resurrection. Resurrection from the dead. Now, look with me in verse number 11. It says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through His Spirit who lives in you. Now, all of us have a common problem. We already talked about one, and that's sin. But the other problem that we have is physical. We all have bodies. And our bodies eventually are going to give out and wear out. Now, you might say, well, I'm in good shape. I'm doing pretty well. I mean, what are you talking about? My body's just fine. Well, that might be true right now. But I'm not trying to be, you know, like a, you know, the, a stick in the mud. But that's not going to last forever. I, I read an article on LinkedIn about aging that I found tremendously depressing. And so uh, I just wanted to share it with you so that you can be depressed with me. Here's, here's what I read in that article. Your brain starts to age at the age of 24. Uh, now, most people start out, it says, with 100 billion neurons in the brain and that, no, that number begins to get lower as you enter into your 20s. It says after 40, you are losing as many as 10,000 of those neurons a day, which is why that we suffer memory loss as we get older. Uh, here's another one. Your heart, the organ that keeps you alive, starts to see decline at the age of 40. How are you all feeling about that? Uh, as we age, we lose the ability to pump blood efficiently throughout our bodies. This is due to the fact the older you get, the less elasticity there is in your vessels. Uh, here's another one I thought was interesting. Our voices change even as we age. 65 is usually the age when soft tissue in our voice boxes begin to weaken, causing our voices to change. The way that works itself out is a lot of time women, when they get to be 65 and older, their voices will get deeper Men, their voices tend to get higher as they get older, um, which explains a lot, Dad. Uh, so I just thought that was kind of interesting. Um, uh, another one that I saw that was interesting, lung capacity decreases once you hit 35. The average 30-year-old male can inhale two pints of oxygen by the time you're 71. It just gets worse after that. Um, our muscles are also affected as we age. When you're younger, your muscles, they will, when you work out, they'll break down, you get sore, but they build up quickly. As you get older, the breaking down part lasts longer than the building up part. And so after the age of 40, many men in particular will lose 2% of muscle mass a year. I'm, y'all aren't going to be able to see me next year. So, uh, so what's the point of all this? The point of all this is we are finite as people. We're not long for this world. James 4.14 says, You don't even know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be, for you are like smoke that appears for a little while and then vanishes. But here's what's neat. The Holy Spirit offers to interrupt the natural progression of life. What does He do? He takes a decaying body and He says, And I can restore it. It says, you are naturally on a path to death, but 
when you who are in Christ die, I will raise you from the dead. So are you making that up? That's verse number 11. If you don't have that underlined, you ought to underline it. It says, he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. It says, see that? Your mortal bodies. We're not just talking about spiritual resurrection. We're talking about physical resurrection. And, and, and here's an important point to make here. But it only applies to those who are in Jesus. Now, a lot of times I'll hear people say, when somebody dies, they'll say, well, they're in a better place now. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, I hope so. Because it only, it only happens for those who are in Jesus. It's not for everybody. I mean, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Okay, so if that's true, do you think the resurrection should change the kind of music you're playing in your life? I guarantee you it should. If we really believe that God will raise to life those who follow him, guys, that should eliminate fear. And I think, I think so many of us, we are marked with fear like we're afraid of dying. We're afraid of taking chances. We're afraid of taking risks. We're afraid of sharing who Jesus is with other people. But if you really believe in the resurrection and trust in that, let me tell you something. It, it's, it's a game changer in your life. How, how so? I, I've had the opportunity before to go to a ropes course. It's been a, a good while ago, but if you've ever been on one of those rope courses, I remember I, I was up on a telephone pole. It was about 40 feet high in the air. It had a little platform, and I was supposed to jump from one telephone pole to another, and I'm 40 feet up in the air. You know what? I, I did it. And to be honest, I, it didn't really scare me. I didn't, didn't think anything about it. I just jumped. And the reason why is because there was a net underneath it, and I was harnessed into that pole. And so I just, I just jumped. You know, that, that is what the resurrection should do for us. To cause us to be able to take that leap of faith, knowing, you know what, God's got me. I'm harnessed in. There is a net underneath me. And so what the resurrection should do for us, the way our lives should be different, it should cause us to take leaps of faith with God, to share our faith, to serve people, to invest in projects that promote Jesus. And yet too many of us, we are living life marked by fear. We're fearful of the future. We're fearful of losing. We're fearful of death. We're fearful of all these different things. But the Holy Spirit makes an offer to all of us that should change our lives. What does he offer us? Freedom from sin and death. Life and peace. And he offers us the resurrection. Now, let me close with this. Have you taken advantage of the offer of the Holy Spirit? Have you taken advantage of the promises that he gives to you in Scripture? You say, well, how do I take advantage of those? You have to be in Christ. To entrust your life to Jesus. And maybe if you've never done that before, I can, I can just share with you what Scripture teaches us. You ask for the forgiveness of God, for the sin in your life. You turn away from that sin and say, Lord, I'm sorry. You believe in your heart, saying, Jesus, I am believing and trusting that you went to a cross for me, that you died and that you rose from the grave as the Son of God. 
and then you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And the Bible says in Romans 10, and you shall be saved. You shall be rescued. You will be in Christ. Now, if you've never done that before, I'll encourage you to pray and ask God to do that. So that would, that would be you for those of you who've never done that. Now, there are others of us here, and we're believers. And yet, even though we're believers, we are living in fear. We don't need to do that. We don't have to do that. Y'all, it is a whole lot more fun to take a leap off of the telephone pole and grab the next one when you know there is, there is not a risk for me because God has me. And for some of you, it is time for you to jump. As believers, it's time for you to share your faith with that person that you love and you care for, and you don't know where they're going to spend an eternity when they die. To just simply tell them, hey, this is what Jesus means to me. This is how Jesus has changed my life. So it's time for you to take that leap of faith. For others of you, it's time to begin to invest more of yourself in serving other people. And quit, quit looking just simply at yourself, but to look to others and say, I will serve others because I know God has called me to do that. And he'll empower me to do it. For others of you, it's time for you to invest more in the things of God, to be willing to give more, saying, God, everything I have anyway, it already belongs to you. But God, what I have, I want it to make an eternal difference. And when you do that, let me tell you something, your life is going to be playing a whole different song than the world is used to hearing. And people will wonder why. And you can tell them it's because of Jesus and what he offers me. He offers me life over death. He offers me freedom from sin. And he promises the resurrection. It's good news.